So, uh, in the last session, uh, we just, just quickly kind of what we covered, and I apologize, I had to be away last week, and some of you know why, this is ter- terrible news about my sister-in-law, and uh, next week I'll be in the pulpit, so I won't be down here, someone else will be, in, and then we'll be able to pick up after that, but... Well, last time we talked, we talked about the importance of restoring meaning to the word abortion because it's called stupid things like reproductive health. It has nothing to do with reproductive health, only in the most tangential of ways, okay? When you, when you call the main subject reproductive health, and, and, and it's just so clearly inaccurate. Um, but you know, people are told things long enough, people that are not critical thinkers, people that passive, passively absorb information, it's incumbent upon the church to straighten out that misinformation. And we talked about the importance of taking that issue, which is not abstract at all, and making it concrete through the use of visual aids and how important that is. Okay? And we, we talked about how to do that, right? You have to let your listener know you're about to do it. You have to give people the opportunity to look away, again, if you're in a group. You have to assure that your purpose is not to condemn but to clarify the issue, right, because we talked about that visuals give moral clarity. We know that from uh, the history of any moral issue. We know how important visual aids are. Um, and, of course, we talked about the importance of mentioning the forgiveness that we have in Christ. Today, we want to do a couple things. We want to simplify the debate by making a very basic point, because the abortion issue couldn't be simpler. It could not be simpler. Yes, the culture has complicated it to no end and gotten it all tangled up. It, is a, it couldn't be a simpler issue. And then we're going to also introduce the argument from sort of what we call the, the moral logic of the pro-life position, okay? So the, the complicated, again, it, it can be reduced to one question. We'll get to that. And uh, by the way, when I use the term elective abortion, basically talking about getting abortion for anything other than the life of the mother, not the health and not the mental health, okay? So some of the there, there are so many silly distractions from the whole issue. Uh, instead of talking about uh, abortion, uh, the discussion often leads into irrelevant tangents. Right? We'll talk about choice and poverty and and privacy and back alley abortions and rape and incest and abuse of unwanted children. And we can give answers to, to some of those things, but those things have nothing to do with the question of abortion whatsoever. And abortion advocates tend to bring these things up. As distractions. Even they don't know it, many of them. We're going to just stick to the one question. And we answer that question, and all the rabbit trails disappear, and we just make it very simple. So, the one basic question, all we have to get it down to is, what is the unborn? That's it. That's the simplest question about abortion, is what is what is the unborn? And this simplifies the issue, and it just prevents all the foolishness. And yet, that's the very question that's ignored, right? Nobody ever asks that. So here's a little illustration. Randy's working on his car. He's doing body work and whatnot. And his little grandson comes in the back door. and He says, hey, Grandpa. Is that what he calls you, Grandpa? Okay. (laughs) Someday he's going to walk in and he's going to say, hey, Grandpa, can I kill this? And your back is turned to him. So what's your first thought? Grandpa, can I kill this? And your back is turned to him. What are you going to do first? Well, well, you, well, before you even say no, what do you have to know? You got to know what it is. What is it? What is it that you want to kill, right? Because 
because if it's, uh, you know, if it's just this nasty, gnarly little bug or something, by all means, go ahead and kill it, right? But if it's the little brat next door, then, then you gotta take your, you gotta take your grandchild to the psychologist and get him some help, right? It's that simple. So, but the illustration teaches a very important lesson. We have to know what we're killing before we can know whether or not it's okay to kill it. You have to know what it is you're killing. There's no question, as we'll see next week, abortion kills something that's alive. That's, nobody in the world would deny that. Whether it's right or wrong depends entirely upon the one question, what's being killed? Or again, what is the unborn? And if the unborn's not human, then there's no explanation necessary. We can just drop the issue. Have as many as you want. Do whatever you want. Sell the tissue. Do what you want with it. If the unborn is not human, do what you want. There's arguments why you, other arguments maybe why you shouldn't, but, but if the unborn, so, so, so if the unborn is not human, no justification is necessary. But if the unborn is human, then no justification for abortion is adequate. Right? If the unborn is human, is, is not human, no justification is necessary. Alright? But if the unborn is a human being, then no justification is adequate. Again, for elective abortion, setting aside for a moment the question of the life of the mother. So if the unborn is just a non-viable mass of tissue or part of the woman's body or a potential, then have the abortion. No questions asked. But if the unborn is a real human being, then abortion kills an innocent child simply because she's in the way and can't defend herself. So the abortion question is not complex at all. It's, a, it's one of the simplest questions, one of the most basic things we could deal with. It's easier than the immigration debate. It, it's as simple as the slavery question, really. It's just as simple as slavery. And the best way to answer that, as we'll see next week, is through, we're going to look at some scientific evidence to give a factual answer, right? We're going to look at the science. And then, if the unborn is human, then we have to answer a moral question. How should we treat innocent human beings who are in the way and defenseless? How should we treat innocent human beings that are in the way and are defenseless? Um, so there's a difference. I want to acknowledge there is there is a psychologically complex issue about abortion. Right? It can be very psychologically traumatic and complex because you know unwanted pregnancies are that many of them. Some aren't. Some of them are just women will fluff them off and they'll just get abortion after abortion after abortion. That's true. There are many women with three, four, and five abortions. All right. So there is that. They're not the largest contingent. But morally, it's not complex at all. It's very simple. But the problem in our culture is we like to confuse uh, psychologically and morally complex issues. Yeah, it's psychologically, emotionally complicated, but that's a different that's a different question. We can deal with that. First, we have to deal with the first thing, and as we talked about, visual aids are very helpful in clarifying that. Um, let's take a look at some of the popular defenses, I guess, because we want to attack the popular defenses. Now, right now, we're not proving that the unborn is human. We're just saying, if the unborn is human, then what follows from that? Next week, we'll demonstrate the humanity of the unborn from philosophy and science, okay? Uh, not next week, but the following week. But for now, we're just saying, okay, if the unborn is human, let's talk about how do we contend with that. So here's, a, here's one of the first defenses you'll hear out there, right? Women have the right to privacy with their doctors. Women have the right to privacy with their doctors, we need to see that if the unborn is human being, then the popular defenses for abortion are not valid because they fail to justify taking the innocent life, right? 
So women have the right to privacy with their doctors. Well, we all have the right to privacy within limits, okay? I personally don't want any of you being in there when I'm getting my digital prostate exam, all right? I have a right to privacy at that point, right? But we do we allow parents to abuse their children if they do it in the privacy of their own homes? No. Don't be afraid to answer it resoundingly. Some of this should be morally clear to you already. Just answer the question. Don't hesitate. It's because for so long you've been pressed with abortion and told you're a terrible person and that you're a man that just wants to oppress women. Yeah. Could you abuse kittens in the backyard as long as they're Exactly, right. In the privacy of your own yard. It's okay in the privacy of your basement to dissect live animals. I mean, you know, the examples could be multiplied. So the issue is not privacy, but what's the unborn, right? Because if the unborn's a human being, she deserves the same protection that other children have. Is the invasion of our privacy or the limitation of our choice ever justifiable? Yeah. Yeah, it's justifiable when someone else's welfare is at stake. We don't get to claim privacy and choice and all that when someone else's welfare is at stake. Okay? Viewing child pornography is done... Usually very privately, someone's locked away where no one can see them. We don't allow that for a reason. Because it may not be directly harming a minor, but it certainly is promoting the the, uh, exploitation and the whole thing, right? I don't need to explain that. Thank God some things are so self-evident, right? It's interesting when the framers were putting together the things that they said, and they said, you know, we, fu- we hold these truths to be self-evident. There are many things that are just self-evident. We don't need proof for. Popular defense number two, but women should have the freedom to choose. This is a very popular one. Women should have the right to choose. Well, our question should be, choose what? I saw one lady making a very good example, a pro-life uh, apologist. She was saying, what if I were to say to you, men have the right to take? Well, the question that follows from that should be, take what? Right? Women have the right to choose what? Look, no one has unrestricted freedom to choose anything. Nobody in our culture has unrestricted freedom. Our freedom to choose depends on what kind of choice we have in mind. Right? So the sentence is incomplete. Right? Women should have the freedom to choose what? So clearly... Freedom to choose is not the real issue. If the unborn is a human being, we do not have the freedom to choose to kill her. Our choices are limited all the times. We have a million and one choices. I am not, no man is free to choose to sexually assault a woman. Or a woman free to sexually assault a man. Oh, that doesn't happen nearly as often, right? No one, no one has this sort of, uh, unrestrained freedom to choose. It's a ridiculous argument. And, as tempting as it is to say to the person that says that, man, that is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard from a woman or a man. We can't do that. You have to sort of shepherd them through this a little bit and talk to them and say, well, what are you choosing to do? And to say, well, hold on a minute. You may be right, but everyone has limits on what they're free to do in a civilized culture. Nobody has carte blanche freedom to just choose to do whatever they want. The government imposes restrictions on our so-called freedoms, as they should. We are, you know, what constitutes the government, right? So again, our freedom to choose is limited if it affects the welfare of another human being. And this is what we're talking about. So when a woman says, or a man says that a woman 
And when men say it, I just want to punch them. Women should have the right to choose to do whatever they want with their own bodies. It's a ridiculous statement. She doesn't. She doesn't have the right to prostitute herself in most states. She doesn't have the right to take heroin or other uh, opioids. She doesn't have the right to use her body to hurt my body, right? I forget. I always forget exactly how this goes. Your right to choose to do what you do with your fist ends at the end of my nose or something like that, right? You don't get to do that. You don't get to do certain things. So this is what happens when you pull back the curtain, see? And you see what's really going on here. And as you go through this, you begin to feel the sense of relief, I think. I think that's what I experienced in studying this issue, was a sense of relief. That, wow, what I intuitively know is so wrong has good arguments. It's always, it's always neat when you find that out, right? What you intuitively know actually has good arguments, as it should. Popular defense number three, women shouldn't have to carry a child conceived through rape. Well, this is a big one, isn't it? Women shouldn't have to carry... So, as I mentioned the first time, there are people... I'm going to mention Sean Hannity because he's a very popular conservative radio host, TV host. He says that he's pro-life. Sean Hannity's not pro-life, and if he was here, I would tell him that. Because he believes that rape and incest are two exceptions. And therefore, he's not pro-life. Okay? He's not. Because, look, he would be the first one, rightly, to say, look, it's wrong to just have abortion for basically use it as, as birth control. But it's wrong for a reason. Why is it wrong? Sean Hannity or anybody else that has this sort of um, modified pro-life position. Because that's a life. Why is it wrong? Exactly, right? So that's what you have to, right? So let's work through that a little bit. See, So a, a, a pregnancy from rape can be emotionally devastating. Again, yes, it is. And don't let people say, oh, you're just insensitive. Don't push back. I mean, push back on that. Okay? But, yes. In the case of a rape, yep. a woman got raped last night, yep. what could she do uh, to prevent a pregnancy? I don't know. I, to me, I don't. the argument is still out a little bit on the morning after pill. Uh, but the morning after pill, there are different pills that they can take. Uh, one that would immediately stop, I guess, something from happening. But the morning after pill is loaded with ethical problems that I'm not really prepared to cover. But it certainly can be an abortifacient. So. But I mean, at least the person is being proactive about preventing the fertilization of a race. Yeah, and I think there is medicine. There may be a pill that does that. I'm, I'm not I'm expert in that. I don't know if, this can, if you're going to get into this scientifically, but how long does it take for the sperm to fertilize the egg? After the act takes place. Well, as soon as the sperm, as soon as the sperm penetrates the egg, it's fertilization. That's that's it's it's, it's yeah. that's conception. So if you take the morning after pill, uh-huh. that's abortion. Because yeah, the moment yeah. the two meet, yeah. and if you're going to be a twin, uh-huh. by the second day after fertilization, you're already a twin. Hmm. So with rape, I don't know if there are certain things they can do to prevent fertilization. No, I, I I just don't know. Yeah. She's already pregnant. Yeah, that, and I'm going to take your word for that. I, I don't know enough. Maybe you do. Maybe, uh, Denise, you can answer that. I just medically, I don't know how quick it happens. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I thought it took a couple of days for it to happen, but I'm not positive. Right. But I'll try to find out. I saw this documentary on it. Okay. The first nine, the nine months that made it, and it's on Netflix, and I encourage everyone, yeah. everyone to yeah. watch it. Okay. It's incredible. Yep. So, uh, yeah, Shannon. Um, from the, 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 the,
from a app hookup uh-huh. generation, a lot of friends and people I know are using the Plan B pill yep. as a form of birth control. Yep. Frankly. Yep. And uh, it's really only recommended to use like a couple times throughout your life. Like, well, well, listen. Look what happened not to a safe thing to be taking. Look what happened to Abby Johnson. What happened to Abby Johnson when she took it? She was in the movie Unplanned. She just about bled out. Right? She just about bled out. The movie is being shown tonight, by the way, if anybody wants to go. Yeah. So when we talk about the signs next week or the week after. Connecticut, which is, I don't know how far from here, half an hour, 25. I don't know where Columbia is, but it's not too far, right? It's Right. Columbia Baptist. Google it. Yes. Can you buy, I think you can buy that pill without a prescription now at the drugstore, isn't it? Probably. Are they still working on it legally? I don't know. Don't know the answer to that. Yeah, you can just go to the drugstore, like, now, in the back where you get, like, the Sudafed and all that. You just go back there and ask for it. So it, so it's but I'll try to find out a little bit more about that. Um, so, again, it's, it's, it, it is emotionally devastating. But, again, why should the child pay with its own life for the father's crime? That's the answer to that question, right? We, we don't allow the woman to shoot the rapist. Right? We don't allow the woman to shoot the rapist. I mean, if she shot and killed him after the act, there would be, that would be considered like mitigating mental circumstances when it comes time to assigning penalty. But she doesn't, but no, if she shoots him after the fact, no, she can't go up to him a day later and shoot him and call it self-defense. If she shoots him in the, in the course of the crime, that's one thing, but you can't go up to the guy five days later and shoot him in the face and call it self-defense, right? So, but certainly that would be a mitigating circumstance when it came time to, um, when it came time to dishing out the penalty. Um, we don't let her shoot that just for her own emotional relief. All right? So if she can't kill the guilty party to make her feel better, why should she be allowed to kill an innocent child for the same reason? Plus, the lie that somehow getting rid of the child is going to somehow get rid of the emotional trauma of the rape. You know, the, the argument is sort of, well, the child will be a sort of ongoing reminder of the trauma. Well, so what? In a sense. Now, listen, look, I'm not trying to be in, put aside the woman that was raped for a moment. That's a different question. We can deal with that. We can work with that. There's all kinds of things to help. I'm talking about the unborn at this point. There's another life involved right now. Okay? And if I'm going to be accused of being cold and callous towards the woman that was raped because I don't want to prime, make that the primary point, then I can turn around equally and say, even to the woman that was raped, you are equally, well, not at that moment because she's emotionally distraught, you are equally messed up because you're willing to kill an innocent child in an attempt to make yourself feel better. We don't kill people for that reason. Okay? Now, people may protest, but now let me ask this. Well, never mind, I'll get to it. People may protest by saying that the rapist is a human being. But that only furthers the point, right? Being human makes all the difference. So clearly, rape is not the issue. If the unborn is a human being, she should not be killed just so the mother isn't reminded of traumatic event. Okay? Popular defense number four. Making abortion illegal forces women into dangerous back alley abortions. Forces women. Listen to it now, right? But this is what we say in... Why should the law be faulted for making the killing of an innocent child risky? If it's risky to kill an innocent child, why are we going to fault the law for that? If, assuming we were to make it a law. It can't fault the law. The fact that bank robbing is dangerous to the felon doesn't seem to be a very good reason for making bank robbery legal. Right? It's, it's dangerous. Should we make it safer to rob a bank? 
No. If the consequences of breaking a crime are that you could do harm to yourself, so what? Yeah. Well, I have speed limits. Well, exactly. You know? you That'd be like saying to the policeman, look, you forced me to break the law by setting the speed limit so low. <laughs> try that. I triple dog dare you to try that one. <laughs> Officer, you forced me, the law forced me to break the speed limit by putting it from 70 to 55, and now I'm going to be late to work. That's ridiculous. Listen, if breaking the law is risky, we don't make laws to make it less risky to break the law. And for one thing, that kind of language makes it assume that there's no other choice. That right. You have to do this. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a good point, too. This, you have to yes. have it done yes. horribly. No one's forcing... A woman into a back alley. That's, that's, that's again. That's like saying you forced the bank robber to arm himself because the bank would not willingly give him money that he doesn't actually have in his account. Right? Yeah, it is that silly. It is that silly. But again, remember, we continue to get attacked by uh, by radical feminists, men and women, who insist that this is just an issue about a woman's body. Which we're going to, you know, again, we'll make crystal clear next time we talk about this. That that's just not so. Okay? And some of the crazy things that are said about that situation. So no one is forcing her. The, 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 the woman's choice to use a, a back alley and, uh, for an abortion is not forcing her. Okay? And I can guarantee if, if abortion was outlawed, it wouldn't be back alley. You know, you get these... You know, they use this 50s vision of a back alley and coat hangers and all this other madness. If abortion was made legal and there were doctors who were still going to provide it or there were medical professionals that somehow were going to still provide it, which would happen, I guarantee you, they would have everything they need to do it right. But again, that's not my problem. Okay? If in the commission of committing a crime you hurt yourself, what am I supposed to do about that? Right? What am I supposed to do about that? So, I'm sorry? Yeah. So, this is just an example of pro-abortion rhetoric. Women are never forced into illegal abortions. They choose to take the risk when many other options are available. Even though they don't seem like, I'm not talking about whether or not they, again, I know that this is emotionally, you know, I can't imagine how emotionally sort of traumatic it is to to all of a sudden be in a crisis pregnancy, a crisis pregnancy. You know, you backed it up further and you learned about, look at the culture that we've had for the past 70 years. You know, uh, the pill, when it first came out, the birth control thing was a wonderful thing, but it just sort of liberated women to just sort of, it's it totally changed the whole outlook from sex as a means of reproduction and, and propagating the human species to strictly pleasure. And if in the course of pleasing oneself, there's something to interfere with that, then you need to do something to interfere with my... Get rid of what's interfering with my pleasure. And we all do this in a number of ways, but the consequences in this case, in the case of uh, uh, pregnancy, are much higher, right? We all do things to other people... When somehow they're interfering with our pleasure. We snap at people that are interrupting us. We argue with our spouses if, you know, they want us to do something, maybe or we don't want to or something. Or, you know, the, again, think, think your own examples. Yeah. Uh, 
practically speaking, sex education in the public schools, right. would they give as options or viable option to abstinence and chastity? Is that in I don't the know. curriculum? I, don't know. I have no idea. I'll have to find out at some point. Yeah. I was sent to have a fifth, uh, fifth grader in Woodstock public school system, and they sent a letter home. Mm-hmm. We are starting this segment of our education. Here's what will be covered. Here's how it will be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And our desire is to encourage abstinence, but I don't sit in the classroom, and I don't hear if it's just a quick byword. I don't know how much it's encouraged and directed, or if it's just a word that's I know women that that have purchased birth control for their kids. My friend Kelly is a health teacher uh-huh. in Pennsylvania, and she got in trouble for teaching abstinence. Yeah, because see the message this in a materialist a materialist worldview, everyone is just a biological material entity that has to follow your impulses. Right. Now, why they try to restrain it? Well, you know, this is a different question, right? We could, we could talk about. How do we get here? We get here because we have a materialistic, uh, we have, uh, when I say materialistic, I don't mean just wanting goods. I mean all, the primary thing that's driving our decision makers and people involved in policy is just the physicality of things. Isn't it? There can't be any talk of morality except to tell you you're wrong for opposing them. This is how we got in the mess we are. This is how we have 60, 70 million abortions. Dave and then Bev. In the class I took, it was called peer education. Uh-huh. And what was interesting in that class is they wanted us to keep a journal of our everyday lives. Hmm. And they actually refused to accept my journal hmm. because I grew up in a, uh, a, a normal home where hmm. my parents didn't find marijuana in right. my socks uh, or, right. uh-huh. yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, things like that. Apparently, my presentation wasn't dramatic enough wow. yeah. in the class, so I, of course, had to... Of course, mom and dad had to go to school and yep. advocate on my behalf. Yep. So, Bev. I'm just wondering if for a grammar school kid, the word abstinence, does that mean anything to unless they explain and They shouldn't be teaching fifth grade. They shouldn't be doing education in schools anyway. That's just madness. They probably have no idea what the word is. It's just is. madness. It's kind of effect yeah. can have when the culture is deluging Yes, that's right. Oh, it's awful. It's, it's all part of the picture. But, again, let's confine, all we have to do is confine ourselves to answering and responding to the, the rhetoric and the madness that's raised against the practice of abortion. Unfortunately, we can't do much about how we got here and all that other stuff. We could talk about that. But how we got here is not nearly as important, in a sense, as the fact that we're here. How do we, how do we argue against this terrible practice? Defense number five, many poor women cannot afford another child. Right? So, caring for a child is costly, but killing them is not the answer. Right? What would we think of a mother who killed a toddler who was taxing the family budget? Would be appalled. Hey, what happened to little Johnny? I killed him last week. What do you mean he killed him last week? Well, I'm saving about 50 bucks a week now between diapers and formula. Right? Oh, well, I'll go. that makes sense. Oh, that's cool. Well, why didn't you kill little Sally, too? You'd probably take a vacation in Australia with the money you're paying for her daycare. You know what I'm saying? Seriously. So, uh, many would protest, well, wait a minute, the killing of a, to- a toddler is different because he's a human being. But again, this only proves the point that he- being human is the issue. People unintentionally reveal what's really going on behind the intellectual curtain. What they're really trying to deal with is, yeah, 
Yeah, but what's important is whether it's a human or not. See, they're saying, well, no, you wouldn't want to do that because you're dealing with a human being, which just tells me that they don't see the unborn as a human being. And we're going to get them to that point where they do, where it's, where it's impossible to, to deny, Michelle. I mean, the law must be so confused. I don't know if anybody else saw this on the news about two girls who got in a fight. Um, one was pregnant five, five months along. Mm-hmm. And she had started the fight, but she got shot in the stomach and the mm. baby was killed. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't. She's being charged with murder. Yeah. Murder. yeah it is very confusing. It makes no sense. But he's only five months old, so they call that yeah. baby. Yeah. Yep. There are other states where they're not doing that. There are other states where that law, Michelle, was in place, yeah. but they did away with that law. Now, I don't want to steal away any thunder at all, but my thought is just sitting here is it to find a human, I would think, positive about this, but um, does does the entity that's inside of a person have a different DNA? Than yeah, and we'll get to all that next week in the science. You're getting ahead of it, then, so yeah, uh, you're, you're right. But just just yeah, just hold that thought. We'll, we'll we'll get to that in the in the arguments. Again, right now I'm not interested in proving that it's human. The unborn is human. I'm saying, what do we do with human beings? Because what you do, the reason for, for sort of this approach is. You get people to think in terms of, well, how do we treat human beings? How should we treat human beings? Then you prove that the unborn is human. If you do it in reverse, all you're, getting the, all you're doing is getting the person locked into this. The, the way to present and go through this, I think, with a person is say, how do we treat unborn? How do we treat human beings in every other area of life? And then when you say the case, okay, well, uh, the, the unborn is human. Then everything that we do for human rights now applies to that unborn. Would it be like too callous or something to say to somebody, you know, well, you know, your parents should have aborted you or your mother should have aborted you then? Yeah. You know, like, well, what do you say to that? If somebody's arguing with you about, you know, um, having the, the right to abort a child, and you just remind them that, well, what if you were aborted? Mm-hmm. You know, what? Yeah, I mean, I think at some point, that'll, that'll, that'll come up a little bit too. Again, we'll save that for the next time we get together, because right now I want to focus on the arguments that sort of women give, and how they, and how those arguments reveal what the actual topic is. The actual topic is, what is the unborn? So once we get there. I think it's important to realize that we're talking about um, human life. Yeah. Because it doesn't really matter whether it's unborn or it's 95 years old. Right. Same things apply. Yep. Uh, we treat all those because yep. we're headed for a society where uh, um, killing people yeah. when they're too old to, you know, yeah. defend themselves yep. anymore is, is not Well, the, the good news is this, too. You've got to remember something. If, if you trust any of the mainstream media for information, you're wasting your time, and all you're doing yeah. is participating in a bit of an emotional orgy. That's why people choose MSNBC, and that's why people choose Fox News. They want to hear their belief system repeated back to them ad nauseum. Yeah, you're going to get some facts. Yeah, you're going to get... So, you know, Fox News is going to give you the whatever. But listen, the Fox News website is turning into it. It almost looks like the National Enquirer. Half of the stuff is Beyonce shows striking new body. What do I care about that for? This is nonsense, right? So if you you get your news from any of those sources, you better balance it somewhere else because what you're getting is a lot of hype. You're certainly not going to get a clear discussion on the humanity of the unborn scientifically, philosophically, the irrefutable position, how do we handle that? What do we do with human beings? How do we, what do we do with defenseless, innocent human beings? Okay? What do we do with them in any other given situation? What do we do with people that are in wheelchairs? What do we do with people that are, that are dependent highly upon other people? How do we respond to these questions? If 
the unborn is human, and then they have to get the same human rights. And again, the next time around, we'll talk about the science that proves the humanity of the unborn. That's next week. Um, so, economic hardship is no more justifiable than killing a toddler, again, for the same reason. This is a little tactic called trotting out the toddler. <laughs> Whatever you want to say about the unborn, can you say the same thing about the toddler? Very simple. And we'll find out why. Popular defense number six. Your view forces women to become parents against their will. You're forcing her to be a mother. Well, no one's being forced to become a parent, or no one should be, right? I mean, no one should be forced to be a parent. But if the unborn is a human being, then the pregnant woman's already a parent. As soon as that happens, as soon as, as soon as the conception happens, then you're a parent. Period. End of story. Yes, Tammy. I heard on uh, R.C. Sproul, he said there are accidental parents, but there are never accidental babies. That's right. That's a fact. No parent should escape her responsibilities by killing her unwanted child. So clearly the issue isn't unwanted parenthood. If, again, still ifing, we're still in the if stage. If the unborn is human, then the woman's already his mother. And she should not be permitted to kill the child just because she doesn't want him. Okay? Popular defense number seven. What about when the mother's life is in danger? Well, see, our argument, again, concerns elective abortion. Not abortion for medical purposes that threaten the life of the mother. Not the health and not the mental well-being. Okay? Because we don't kill children because they present either health problems or, you know, there are, there are, um, there are probably examples that could be given of, uh, you know, newborns, the toll that they take physically, the toll that they take emotionally. So we're not talking about abortion for medical, again, the, the, for, what is the unborn helps us unravel what appears to be a difficult ethical dilemma. Because if the unborn is not a human, then again, saving the mother through abortion is the most logical choice. If the unborn is human, then whatever solution you come up with has to treat the unborn as fully human and fully valuable, just like the mother. So now you have two fully valuable, fully human beings. And then you have to... Then there are other arguments that can be... This, this, that's, that's truly... Nobody can... In a situation where it's, okay, one of two people is going to die, you or this other one. Many of us would like to hope I'm going to be the one that takes, I'll die in that case, to protect the life of the other person. We'd like to think that's the case. But at the very most, we could say to someone in that situation, I think, I know you have to be careful what you say unless you're ever put in that position. But So whatever we decide is the thing to do, it has to be something that recognizes the value of both as human and, and, and valuable. Shannon. I think it's interesting because I've heard I'm not a parent, but I've heard most parents say that they would die for their children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just interesting when your child is in the womb that you don't have that same affection. Yep. That you would die for that child. Yeah. You know? Listen, you'll recall uh, some years ago, Pam Smart, she drove her kids into a lake and let them drown so that she could be with her lover. So, So if the woman who drove her children into a lake and let them die so that she could be with her lover is guilty... If the unborn is human, then abortion does the same exact thing. If she has an abortion because it's going to interfere with her life in some way, and if the unborn is human, then she's doing the same thing as Pamela Smart did. 
Yeah. Yeah, again, different states vary. Some states don't even recognize that. Some do. This makes no sense. No, you, you don't look for logic. There isn't, there is no good explanation for that. Nobody can give you a good explanation for that. that and she, and Shanann was only five months along. Yeah. I mean, I say only five months along. Yeah. But five months along, and yep. now they're saying that that would be appropriate to see yep. what we voted at. Yep. I believe in Europe, they get, uh, eight days after the child's born, they can kill it. I, they maybe can. in some places in Europe they can. They I'm they not can sure. They 16 days. Like, yeah. they say, well, where's it then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, if, if it's, yeah, I bet if it's diplomatic. Yeah, some places in Europe, maybe. I don't know yeah. where. So again, we're not arguing yet. We're not yet arguing that the unborn is human. We're arguing that reducing the abortion issue to one question, what is the unborn, answers all the defenses for abortion that are commonly raised. Any defense that comes up, we have to ask if it's human. Yeah. Have you, have you exhausted all your list yet? No. Okay. Well, well by, by my list, what do you mean? Like well, the, 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 the arguments the against arguments it? For yeah, it, it, there are probably other ones as well. Um, I, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you mentioned this. I could have missed it. If, if it's detected that the child that's about, will, that will be born mm-hmm. has uh, retardedness or some uh, quality of life issue that wouldn't, wouldn't be desirable to have a child that would be born with uh, some defects. In Iceland, it's 100% right now, uh, recently, 100% of, 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 of when a ch- the unborn child is detected to have a Down syndrome, 100% of them are being aborted. And so here's the question. Yes. But then that extends to you want a boy or a girl. Right. Why not? Why not? Is that a forced abortion? I don't know. I just read that 100% figure somewhere. Yeah, they decided they don't want Down syndrome people in Iceland, so they're thinking about So it's forced? I don't know. But I'm not certain of that. I don't know. But 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 the point is okay. So what if you have a two months old? What if you have a seven year old with Down syndrome? If it's okay to kill the unborn, if the unborn is human, then it's also to kill, okay to kill the seven year old. I had a friend that got pregnant very late in life, but she had no children. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, that was that ambiosis or whatever that they they chest. Mm-hmm. Well, she, shortly after that, mm-hmm. the baby. She voted it, yeah. and, and, and I think the needle must have damaged. Could be. That, it was a boy. She knew it was a boy. She said, my son and I were going to go skiing. Let me tell you something about... This always reminds me of uh, this Down syndrome thing. It always reminds me of this excellent story I read in one of Brennan Manning's book. I think it was either Abba's Child or um, a Radical something. Brennan Manning was uh, in the 60s, was a Roman Catholic priest. He was a raging alcoholic. He left the priesthood. Just became uh, obsessed. He became a, a grace, mystic grace guy, okay? He served in the French prison, pretended he was a prisoner just so he could minister. Just, anyway, his whole life, I, I wouldn't, his theology wouldn't line up particularly, certainly not in a Calvinistic way, but I think we have to stop looking at everything we read and saying, is the person a Calvinist or not? Because you deprive yourself of some of the best thinking that's out there if you do that. So, um, so he was making this, he was telling a story about how he used to go to this particular Native American tribe, somewhere in the Midwest. And in that tribe, they had, uh, one of the, one of the Native Americans, uh, had Down syndrome. And they had a teepee, a tent, just for that child, that young man, I think it was his twenties, with a Down syndrome. And why? Because he had so much love for other people. He was so loving. 
and so free that they thought there was something divine about him. So they set aside a separate place for him just because they, in their experience, thought that that kind of love has to be divine. Right? Isn't that amazing? So, you know, we, and we're going to talk about this. We have a very functional, abortion has a very functional view of humanity. How well do you function? And that your value derives from your function instead of your being. We'll talk about in the last week. That's okay. I like sarcasm. It's the whatever he doesn't say, I'll, I'll turn up. He's a soft-spoken guy. Right. No, probably not. I probably won't touch on human origins because I think it's just, I think all it will do is complicate the issue. Well, what I want to say is yeah. I, I think this is my view. Yeah. Um, I think once you do separate the two, huh? we have our Christianity in one particular realm and our science in another, mm-hmm. as for instance, uh, Francis, Francis Collins, the founder of the BioLogos Foundation, yep. who's the head of human being. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because that is so inculcated in the general public, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to make a case from um, the special creation of man from the Garden of Eden, from a biblical perspective, uh, from you know the Jew to the Zoo to you, kind of, mm-hmm. kind of a philosophy. Um, it's, it's very difficult to make that case, and I think a lot of the time we try to make the case without really standing on the foundation of God's word, and rather we tend to acquiesce to worldly philosophies. I think that, so there's an awful lot there. I don't think, all truth is truth, whether it comes from scripture or not, right? So I don't, the last thing I want to do in this discussion is bring up the Bible with people. That's the last thing I want to do, because it just shuts doors. I I would would totally disagree, brother. Yeah, no, no, I understand, and 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 I this I think that when you do that, I think when you do that, especially in our culture, your your media people don't care about what you think about the Bible. They don't care about your religion. They just in that case, you're just forcing your religion upon them. Well, I think what you said about self-evident truth, I I would agree with Greg Bonson that facts, while they're important, they do not change people's worldviews. So you can everyone reasons in a circle to some degree. Uh-huh. We're reasoning in a circle. We uh-huh. begin with the Bible. I think if, if I think if all that stuff were as important in a sense as it seems in your mind, then nobody outside of Christianity would be able to be consistently pro life. And you can be a consistently pro life person and be an atheist. I think, I think the fact is they're actually stealing from the biblical world. Mm-hmm. Of course we are. Of course we are. 
all the time. Well, how can we not? It's reality, right? Just because they don't acknowledge it doesn't mean it isn't so. And you're onto something, and what you're onto is the fact that people are constantly stealing from theism to defend their non-theistic positions. They can't do otherwise, right? It's like saying, I'm not going to use a word of English to defeat your argument. Well, you just use ten of them. When I, when I say stand on the Bible, I don't mean necessarily quote the Bible, yep. but assume. Well, when you assume that human beings are valuable, everybody knows that. This, what you're talking about is all Romans 1 stuff. And it's very true. And so I, I'm not going to deny that at all. What I'm saying is you don't need to get to that point with people. You don't need to get them to acknowledge that. Because in the process of doing that, all you're really doing is sort of uh, their natural rebellion against God is going to get in the way of sort of saving a life. And I'd rather just sort of walk them through it with what they don't even acknowledge to be so in an attempt to save the unborn. I don't care whether they ever come to, in a sense, in this moment, I don't care where they are in their religious worldview at this point. I know one thing. They're creating the image of God. They don't have to acknowledge that. There are certain evident, self-evident truths they can't deny. They know that. Any human being knows, unless there's something wrong with them, that, again, you don't gather up little kittens and roast them over an open pit in your backyard. Everyone knows you don't do that. I don't care what culture you're in. And the ones that think it's okay to do that, we make sure we kill them or put them in prison or get them treatment or whatever's appropriate, right? Because there's something wrong with them that's corrupting everyone else around them. So the worldview that you're talking about, yes, is in everybody. And theologically, you can have that discussion, and it's important. But to bring it up in the course of pro-life stuff with people that are not only not theistic, but they're specifically, poignantly anti-Christian, is going gonna, is gonna to cost you like a lot of opportunities, I think, to... But unless what you say is true, is true, then none of this would work anyway. But we don't have to have them acknowledge that's what's going on. I don't, I don't sort of... It's, it's kind of like in The Karate Kid when the, when the guy was teaching him, wax on, wax off. Right? Remember that? Did you ever see that movie? Okay, so in The Karate Kid, which goes back to the 80s, this kid wanted to learn Kung Fu. He wanted to use karate from the great expert, uh, 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 Mr. Miyagi. And so Mr. Maggie says, yeah, okay, I'll teach you. So for the first week, every other day, he has the kid come over and wax the car. And he taught him, this is how you do it, wax on, wax off. And the kid was getting frustrated. He's like, you know what, I'm sick of this. I'm cutting. And then he taught him to paint a fence. He said, for, for two weeks, he's just painting the fence, up, down, up, down, you do this, up, down. And the kid finally got frustrated. I came here to learn karate and all that. Well, what he was doing all this was, getting the kid's muscles and hand-eye coordination in place so that we learned to block punches and block kicks. And so that when he was learning how to do the painting and things like that, he was learning how to get in a position to defend himself and all these things. Now, if Mr. Miyagi would have said that to him all to begin with, it probably just would have created more problems than it solved. So he used that process to get the kid to learn karate without telling him it was karate. And that's what we're doing with this. We are bringing our worldview. We are bringing the reality. All of this works... The reason why any of this works, see, you're at a much, you're, you're at a, you're at a hundred thousand foot level, right? The reason why any of this works is because the worldview described by the Bible is reality. That's the only reason this works. But we don't have to talk about the why with them. I don't care if they never get the why. One of the most militant atheists, YouTube atheists, Aaron Black, Aaron Black. Okay. His, he uses a lot of scientific. Jargon, yep. A lot of Christians are taken unawares because yep. they aren't familiar with the scientific yep. language. Yep. It makes the case that essentially we are apes. Mm-hmm. We're a divergent 
No, but facts do get people in touch with reality. Like, for example, in the things that I'm talking about. If people, in this, in, well, we can bring this up, how this happened with slavery and all that kind of thing. I don't want to go much further down the road you brought up because it's a fascinating sort of rabbit trail that leads to a really fascinating rabbit hole where you can sit around and have fascinating discussion. But it's not necessary to the task of pro-life apologetics. It's, it's um, in the background, it describes what's going on. You could be describing this whole process. Why do people agree? Why do people, why do people sort of, why do people think logically? Why do they recognize logic? Why, why does all that happen? Okay. And, and guys like that that just, you know, that, that live in, in the world of strict scientism could easily, are easily refuted by other good arguments. Okay. And we could talk about that and why and how, I don't know who that guy is, but I've seen, he's got nothing to offer that a million guys before him haven't already offered. And it doesn't impact this discussion. Um, because we all recognize the value of a human being. And if we don't, then like I said, we penalize people that abuse humanity. We do it all the time. War criminals, etc. Right? Because if this guy, if this scientist is right, then there's nothing wrong. There's nothing... See, this is the point that I would make to this guy, and this is where I would start. If what you believe is true, then we should not have a criminal justice system. It's all about power. I raped that woman because my genes got me to the point... Where raping that woman was the thing necessary for my survival. You know what I mean? You would say that we should have a criminal Yeah. Who cares? Who cares? That's just his biologically informed mind telling him that. That's not objectively real. That's just his evolutionarily derived point of view that comes from his own biological processes is making him think that way. There's not, a, there's not an objective reality outside of that. That's just what he insists. What scientific argument demonstrates that? There isn't. That's a statement of philosophy that that guy made. Anyway, so I'd like to get my hands on him. But <laughs> let, let's, let's continue through this. Uh, we're going to let science and philosophy sort of do the job of defining, you know, t- t- Tony's not here, but to Tony's good point before about DNA, we'll talk about that next week and some other things, right? But again, we simplify the debate by remembering the following. Always start with the illustration, at least in your mind, can I kill this? Not a lot of people will be open to that. Some will. Although you could, I think you could probably use that with just about anyone. Right? I mean, you could use that with anyone. Can I kill this? Always emphasize the importance of really the only relevant question. It's the one that nobody discusses, and what is the unborn? You'll hear a million statements about viability begins at 24 weeks. We'll deal with that next week. Okay. What's that got to do with anything? Viability is not the question. Okay, viability doesn't define. Again, that's a very functional view. How is that human being functioning? Are they viable? No. Kill them. All we have to ask is, if the unborn is human, do we do that with other non-viable human beings? Some of us want to, right? Some want to. Yep. I'm remembering my husband's grandmother in the nursing home Mm -hmm. and 10 years of Alzheimer's. Yep. Was she viable? Right. Yeah. Was she worthy? Right. 
you know, my prayer for her was that the Holy Spirit would speak to her spirit. Right. But many people would say she had no value, no purpose. Yep. Exactly. She's wasting resources. Yeah. And and you know what people reveal when they say that is they yeah they they do recognize that in a way in a way they're expressing that they feel bad that it's unfortunate that this person is this way but again our value to uh, Harrison's point is derived from our humanity that that biblically informed worldview that isn't just true for people it's true for everybody it's true for everybody the worldview that allows us to be able to think about what's valuable and what's not valuable assumes that we can get in touch with objective reality. In other words, it assumes there are real things that can be known by everyone that aren't just opinions. Okay, this is why we, everyone insists on sort of having their way. They think this is the way things are. Well, if it can be proven that that's not the way things are, and that comes to the, I just want to quickly give you sort of what we call the moral logic of the pro-life position, right? So we have an argument, and in an argument there's a very certain type of thing, a very basic argument. Arguing, by the way, is a good thing if we use, if we, Think about what does it mean to argue. I don't mean fight, but when you argue, you present facts and you 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 know you have a little back and forth. So an argument needs justification. An argument needs evidence. Okay. I was thinking the other day, how do I define to someone what an apologist is? Because they don't even know. And I said, you know what? An apologist is someone that articulates, advocates, and argues for a particular position. I finally came up with something that I can use all the time. Right? <laughs> it's true. It's someone that can articulate, advocate, and argue. Yeah, well, if, if you're given reasons, uh, people don't necessarily think in that. In, yeah, yeah, you could use reasoning together in a way, but you know, in law, they they say you know they they talk about the defense from the the arguments. They they always talk about the lawyer. This lawyer is going to argue thus and such, and that's what we're doing in a way. Um, but yes, if that helps, by all means. If that if that you know what I mean, but because it, it depends on whether or not how how. How combative is our nature? And mine is more combative than yours in some ways. Um, to, to your benefit. <laughs> they, they probably the benefit accrues to you more. But it depends. If God has me here, in some cases, there's someone that needs a fight, and God may summon me in that case. So uh, arguments have, a, have good reasons that support a conclusion, right? And if the reasons are good, then the conclusion is correct, period, whether people accept it or not. It may not be the conclusion you want, but if the reasons are good, undeniably the conclusion follows, right? So, our argue, again, our argument is not going to be a biblical argument. Biblical support could be provided, Harrison, certainly, all right, if necessary. Okay, like, especially if we're having an intramural Christian debate over this. Then it would really make sense to bring that home, too, I think. And then we could find out people in the church that aren't really so. That's why Paul says there must be disagreements among you so that those who are among you are... are, are, are the point being, we find out what's true by having people disagree sometimes. Right? This is my paraphrase. We find out what's real by disagreement, mature disagreement. But our approach is useful regardless of how someone feels about the Bible. Because, Harrison, it gets in touch with those things we're talking about without even calling it so. We're doing the karate kid thing. So here's basically the pro-life position. Okay? Uh, and we'll demonstrate what it is. It's wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. This is just, this is, this is just a three point thing that leaves, a two point thing that leads to conclusion. It's wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Nobody can argue with that. Abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being, and then the moral conclusion is therefore abortion is wrong. Now, where people push back, of course, is on what? That abortion kills a human being. But that's the case we're going to make next week. We're going to demonstrate that the unborn is human. 
can't be anything but human, both from science and philosophy, okay? So that's it. It's wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Abortion innocently kills an innocent human being, and therefore abortion is wrong, right? If A plus B, then C. Um, you know, in, in a little bit more specificity, it's wrong to kill any human being for the reasons most people have abortions. And, and we're not arguing that killing is never justified in, in, in the big picture, right? Killing is often defensible in the instances of capital punishment and self-defense. And Randy asked about this last week. Afterwards, he said, what about people that say, you pro-life people, how can you be for capital punishment? I said, because it's two entirely different questions. The moral logic is this. It's wrong to intentionally kill innocent human beings. Capital punishment does not kill an, intentionally kill an innocent human being. Abortion deliberately kills an innocent human being, therefore abortion is wrong. So when you, when you encounter, particularly our Roman Catholic friends, they push back against the death penalty. They're pro-life, and they're, they're all for, they're entirely pro-life when it comes to the unborn, and then they say that we're not consistent, some of them, because we are, in, in many cases, we, 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 at least in theory, are for the death penalty. But it's entirely different reasons. Our logic is, it's, again, it's wrong to intentionally kill an innocent human being. Abortion intentionally kills an innocent human being, therefore abortion is wrong. If you want to debate whether it's right or wrong to kill criminals, that's a different discussion. So don't let them trip you up like that. Uh, we, we're going to demonstrate the unborn as a unique individual living being, again, from science and philosophy, and that therefore abortion is a terrible evil because it destroys a precious unborn human being. And uh, we will pick up the whole sort of science and philosophy thing not next week, but the week after. Justin, pray. Please. Lord, I thank you for gathering us here together, Lord.